it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes, right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Meredith R. Lyons. She is an actor, martial artist, yoga instructor, and now a published author. Ghost Tamer is her first novel. Hey, Meredith, thank you for being on the show today. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your brand new novel and your first writing effort, uh, Ghost Tamer? Absolutely. I'm so excited about this one. Um, so my main character, Rayleigh, is an aspiring comedian. She's mm -hmm. riding the train back from an open mic with her best friend, and the L train flies off the rails, killing everyone in her car except for her. And now she can see ghosts. One oh. of them has, says he's been with her all her life, and another one is suddenly trying to destroy her and take her soul. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, I thought now, so. <laughs> now, when you say L train, you mean an elevated train like they have in some parts of New York and Chicago, right? Exactly. The book takes place in Chicago, where I lived for 17 years. Oh, okay. Fantastic. What was it about the city that made you want to set this kind of story in Chicago? Uh, well, a couple of things. When I initially got the idea for the book, I was living in Nashville, but I had a nightmare that I was on the train in Chicago with a friend coming back from an improv class and the train flew off the rails. And okay. I didn't have anything new to write at the time. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll write this dream and maybe it'll be a nice short story. And, you know, 97,000 words later. Um <laughs> And then I also decided to set it in the winter, which is my least favorite time in Chicago and the time that I, it's its what made me want to move, really, um, one of the main reasons. <laughs> um, but when I was living there in the winter in Chicago, I never wanted to read like sunny books or like books about people. You would think that you'd be drawn to like an escapist, but I wanted to read right. books about people in the snow, in the cold, suffering with me. So <laughs> there's something really attractive about reading about it <laughs> that is better than living in it. So that's those are my my two two big influences why I put it in Chicago. Okay. Now why did you pick I know you had a dream and that's what inspired you to do this. Do you read a lot of uh ghost fiction or horror fiction in general or was this I just don't. based totally on the dream? I do not read a lot of horror fiction. I actually fear the horror genre. Um, okay. <laughs> I do not. I'm a total wuss. I do not like to be scared. <laughs> like, I will not watch Aliens. I will not watch Poltergeist. I will not watch Silence of the Lambs. People are like, these are classics. And I'm like, I don't care. Um, Exorcist I have is out. Exorcist is completely out. I have read, <laughs> I've read books about the filming of Exorcists that make me not, that scare me. Um, but I do one of my read... religion teachers in in the in Fordham Prep was the technical advisor and the co-star in The Exorcist. So you're oh very God. wise to do that. Yeah, yeah, he, he had some no all puns intended. He had some real horror stories about the filming, which I a read, lot of it took I, place on on Fordham was, University's campus. Wasn't it Ellen Bernstein who was in it? I think she was in it. Now she's yeah, in the, she, the remake. I read, too. I read her 
like biography or something or like some a book that she wrote and she wrote about all the weird things and they were like they were like deaths and stuff happening during that movie and I was like no thank you no thank you no thank you Um, (laughs) you're better off I know so I was really shocked when this book started showing up on like most anticipated horror or you know I was like right up there with Stephen King who I have read his non-horror things um but but um I have I, you know, ghosts, I, uh, so I had a little ghost interaction when I was younger and mm-hmm. I've never been afraid of ghosts, but I think I would, if I knew, I don't know, when I was younger, I didn't really know what was going on. I was like, this is a person that I'm talking to that occasionally disappears. And, uh, <laughs> and I think right. now I would be afraid so I can see both how they would be scary and how they might not be. So I kind of included various types of ghosts in Ghost Tamer, and one of them is a very, very friendly and helpful and protective ghost, just mm-hmm. why he gets he gets named Casper. And then there are a lot of other <laughs> malevolent, um, not so nice spirits as well, which I kind of just used, you know, my nightmare fodder to kind of create those. And apparently it went really well. Right. Um, the most the most recent ghostly thing I've read was I read I loved Ninth House and Hellbent, and I kind of thought those were more they're fantasy. But I were looking at them, I'm like, no, I guess I could see how this would be, you know, kind of scary or horror light, mm-hmm. um, in a way. But yeah, um, can't do a lot of gore or 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 fear. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, it's, and it, unfortunately, there's a lot of that in the genre that some people enjoy and some people uh, don't, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's based on whatever you want to write and whatever you want to read. Um, right. But now that you've gotten some exposure to that genre, do you think you're going to stay in it? Do you envision Ghost Tamer being part of a series? Do you want to explore <sighs> that genre more often? What, what do you envision for yourself right now as of today? I feel like my current, the current books that are on submission right now are sci-fi fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I'm really, I'm of course rooting for those guys. And I really love writing in that genre. It just kind of flows. Um, Ghost Tamer could very well be part of a series. I have started playing with a sequel, but there's one character that I just, I'm not clicking with yet. And I'm very much a character first writer so right. I kind of have set that to the side and decided, you know what, just concentrate on getting book one out first and like, let's focus on that before we start pushing ourselves and, you know, create, create a crappy book. Um, right. So, <laughs> so exactly I've kind of put right. that to the side. I think it could definitely, I've definitely kind of left it set up to where there could be more, uh, but right. I want it, I want it to be done right. If I do another one, I don't want to just throw a, a sequel out there because there's interest um Mm. you know I don't want my sequel to come out and be worse than book two so I think I think I would be interested as long as I could stay in my horror light lane (laughs) um I had one reviewer who read it who said who comped it to like Ghostbusters or the Addams Family type horror which I was like okay I'm all right with that I mean there's a lot of humor in it there's a lot of um exploration of grief too so it's not it's it's not a ghostly romp um (laughs) but but you know I'm I think I would be happy to just stay in that lane and as long as I could like have some fun and not kill a whole lot of people I mean people have to die (laughs) 
but <laughs> right. that's how they get to be ghosts right exactly <laughs> well it's funny because how you could get from you know you 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 have a great uh focus on the fantasy sci-fi genre but then this is how you your debut novel turned out it's funny how the muse takes us in certain directions isn't it yeah for sure and um you know when we were trying to market this book i was like what are we where are we putting this and they wanted it in paranormal but to pick paranormal by set code we're going to get technical and booky for a second little codes that bookstores use to like place your book the bisect paranormal is under fantasy so you had to pick fantasy paranormal then suspense and so i'm on the so the editor's choice for amazon has me under best sci-fi fantasy so All i'm right. on like a couple of sci-fi fantasy lists too which i guess i can see because there is like some ghost you know magic with altered alternate dimension like energy shifting and stuff like that you know we get really woo woo with the crystals and everything um <laughs> so so i can see I, um and a lot of a lot of the earlier views have actually mentioned how it's a mixed bag of genres so mm -hmm. i kind of like that in a way and i'm glad that even though we had to pick a place to put it that it hasn't managed to be pigeonholed um and people can kind of read it as they want to read it. If you're a fantasy reader, you can read it as like an urban fantasy. Um, right. If you're a horror reader, you can read it as like light horror. Mm -hmm. And if you just yeah. want a ghost story, you can read it as a ghost story. Right, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with any of that because you're seeing a lot of different blending of genres. I, I was just at a writer's conference a couple of weeks ago where people were saying that uh, they got bad reviews for their romances because they thought that it was a, clean romance and it wasn't a clean romance it oh. was actually a traditional bodice ripper kind of romance and oh. uh but but there are a lot of people out there who love the clean romance yeah and i that you know i i i know a little bit about that and uh it's just interesting how people's tastes can vary they don't really fit in the box that a lot of the uh publishers of the publishing industry expects them to Right. And I feel like sometimes they're going to, they're going to market you where they think that you're going to sell the most books. I mean, honestly, um, right. I remember reading one book and it was, it was, it's a bestseller. It's done great. And, um, you know, group, a writing group of, of mine were like, we're going to read this book. It's doing really well. And it was, it was marketed as a thriller and I read it and I was like, this is not a thriller to me. Like mm -hmm. when I read a thriller, I expect to be afraid that someone is going to die or get maimed or something at every turn. And right. I was not, I did not feel that at all. Like I felt like this was like kind of a cozy mystery. Um, mm -hmm. And we discussed it and we're like, hey, look, it, it wasn't a bad book, but why is it in this category? And, you know, we all researched it a little bit and I was like, okay, well, thrillers sell the most books. So the right. publishing company was probably like, let's put this under thriller. She's got a big name. It'll sell. Mm -hmm. And it has. It's done great. So um, I'm sure that the and I I have another friend who's a kind of a genre crossing. Um, and she just got published this year and she got a lot of reviews saying, This is too YA. And it's like, well, it was a it was a genre, it was a crossover from YA right. to adult. It had both characters and um, so you, I think you're just going to get the reviews on Amazon, no matter, you can't please everyone. No, you cannot. Uh, but it's really, 
so interesting what people will choose to jump on. Right, especially, and then wait until you get the reviews where people are angry at your product for something that is not related to your product. Right. Like I've gotten, huh. I, on my book, some of my book reviews, I've gotten these socks didn't fit. I'm like, damn it, that didn't, <laughs> that, that's got nothing to do with this. Or the book came late, or I already had this one. And I'm like, you know, why are you giving me a one-star review for something that has nothing to do with the work? But that's how Amazon works. Oh my God. But you know what I've heard with Amazon to give everyone out there, including you a little hope. I've heard that any press is good press. So even if you're getting like one-star reviews, you're going to get bumped up in the viewing as long as right. people are interacting with your product. It's freaking crazy. So I guess keep complaining about the socks not fitting guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it all helps. Every little bit does definitely help in this, in this business. Um, so I know that you've, um, you've really taken a, a keen interest in the development of your, your author brand by going to some events and things like that in your right before your debut novel. Uh, I was wondering, how was that experience for you? Oh, I, it was, I had the most fun for, first of all, um, so much fun going out. The writing community is like a big warm hug. Um, you know, when you're out with your writers, it's super fun. Everyone is so supportive and so nice. Um, and I, I went to a couple conferences where there were readers there too. And there it's just, it's great, um, to meet all the people who are just interested in your book and what you're doing and, um, helpful. Um, I, I don't regret any of it. I learned a lot and I'm actually kind of glad that I was in a, um, I would recommend if people are looking into it to do it early. Um, I'm okay. glad that I had, I'm glad that I had a few conferences under my belt before I was published. Um, just because I knew how to conserve my energy and a little right. bit of what I was about to run into. And I had, you know, seen some panels and, you know, gone to some panels and knew what that was looking like. Um, I'm actually kind of glad that I'm a fall debut because the big ones that I went to, um, Thriller Fest and BoucherCon, I mm -hmm. wasn't allowed to sit at the debut table because I hadn't been published by those conferences. So I get to sit at the de mm. debut table next year. And oh, I will right. know now, like now I know what that looks like and what those conferences look like. And I know a little more of what to expect. So I'm like, I'm going to be a very experienced debut <laughs> right. by the time they roll around. But it's going to be, you know, you know, of course, great exposure and everything. But um, I was happy with that. So I definitely recommend to anyone who's just even either just signed or is starting to submit or whatever, just go, go to some writers conferences and start to figure out, figure out what they look like. Right. Yeah. And, and to go with a plan too. A lot mm -hmm. of people go in wide eyed and figure, Oh, I'm just going to enjoy the experience. And that's great. But you're also there for yourself. You're there to uh, sell a product. So, right. you know, it, it, that that's important to keep in mind too. It's not just all fun and games, but also remember that you don't have to sell, sell, sell all the time. Uh, right. You want to make genuine connections with people. And I think that that is, you know, when I went to my first one, I had no idea what I was doing. I was writing Ghost Tamer at the time. I had not started shopping it anywhere. I was just enjoying writing it. And so I picked the panels that I thought were interesting and would help me and right. ended up just meeting a lot of people and, you know, hearing about their books. And some of those people blurbed me. You know, when I, when I finally had a, a book come, come out and a lot of them helped me when I had questions and didn't know what was right. going on. And 
So there is definitely something to be said about making genuine connections, but yes, in the back of your mind, especially when you get out there and you've got your book, it's like, I am here for, you know, you're paying a lot of money to go to these conferences in a lot of ways. So you gotta, you gotta keep that in mind too. Right. Yeah. That is an investment in yourself and Mm -hmm. and all the hard work and all the hours you put in to your novel. And uh, it's always good to go with some kind of a plan. Like you said, it shouldn't be all business all the time. And if you're selling constantly with every single conversation you have, people are going to get bored and turn tune you out. Oh, for sure. You're just there as a a snake oil salesman, but um, to have a bit of a plan and and figure out what, what sessions you're going to go to in advance, especially. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've always found that the, the best conferences I get something out of is when I have a plan about what I want to do, who I'd like to see if, opportunity strikes and uh make the most of it that way for sure and i think if you're on if it's your first conference for me um my first conference where i was on a panel Mm -hmm. um i made a plan around what you know i also volunteered which is a great way to get to know um people who are you know in your conference and and get to know people and network but um I volunteered, but I made sure not to have any volunteer shifts on the day that I had my panel. And I picked out um, things that I wanted to see, but I also decided, all right, on the day of my panel, my panel is the most important thing. So if I'm feeling peopled out and I need to go to the room and stare at the wall for a minute before my panel, I'm going to do that because that's when I need to be on. So as you're saying, develop a plan, but also think about your energy level. Um, If you're an extrovert, probably not as big of a deal. But for me, I start to shut down after a certain amount of peopling. I can turn it on really well. And it goes from like 60 to zero really fast. So so I was like on panel day, we're not doing any other obligations. Anything we go is just going to be things we want to see. Um, but, you know, for instance, my first solo presentation, I didn't have anything the hour before. Um, right. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go to my friend's presentation because I don't want to be obsessing over my stuff. And I also don't, you know, there was nothing that I really felt like I wanted, needed to see that day. And I actually got so inspired by his presentation that I wrote another book or started writing another book. Um, and I never would have gone otherwise, but, you know. It's fun to feel that stuff out and know those things. Definitely like have some kind of plan in mind. Right, exactly right. Yeah, no, that's that, those, that's very good advice. So you said that you've delved into the uh, fantasy sci-fi genre. Um, what, can you give us a little bit of a hint about what we might be able to expect to see from you there? I know oh. everything's on spec right now. You haven't gotten it accepted yet, but. No, I've got one R&R that's been out for a while. Um, right. So fingers crossed on that one. I will say I'm doing uh, middle-aged protagonists. I'm tired of the teenage chosen one um, <laughs> who suddenly ends up ruling over a species and a race that's thousands of years old. No, we're going to at least have some some years under our belt. Um, <laughs> so right. um, there's going to be magic. There's going to be magic in space. Um, I definitely am having fun with my space stuff and, uh, um, I had some early, early readers who were like, you know, in a, in a zoom group 
we had those hard science people who were like, well, you can't have fire in space. And then I was like, what about Star Trek? They had walks. Like, <laughs> and I was like, what right. if it's magical fire? <laughs> right. Yeah. You could get around it that way. Right. So I'm definitely doing um, a soft sci-fi kind of thing. And it's definitely not YA. It's going to be adult. Okay. Um, and uh, having fun interpretations with my magical creatures. Uh, my unicorns are very bloodthirsty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think that's all I'll say for now because we'll see we'll see what happens with with um, the ones that are out on submission. Fantastic. Well, you've got a you've definitely got a lot going on. And what is the best way people can follow you on social media or on your website to keep up with your career? Yeah, I am most active on Instagram, MeredithRLyons. Or that's my handle. It's not a dot com. MeredithRLyons is my handle on pretty much all socials. My mm -hmm. website, however, is Meredith Ray Lyons, and Ray is R A E. And uh, there, you can get, you can sign up to my newsletter. You can sign up to my blog posts, and um, there's a contact form. You can ask me questions and. And read all about all of the things I have on sub and uh, and about Ghost Tamer. Fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time to be here today, Meredith. We really appreciate it. And I encourage everybody to give Ghost Tamer a try because I'm not uh, a big paranormal person myself, but I've read a few chapters of it. It's, it's really worth your while. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Of course, and thank you everyone for tuning in for another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We will see you next time, everybody. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.